This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And so we start the panel part of the program. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. This is the Wednesday edition. Familiar names and faces. Ernie Eves, a former premier and finance minister in the province of Ontario. Hello, Ernie. How are you, John? Very good. And you? Good. As that Leaf game last night, they actually won. Wow. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be a race to 10 there for a while, and then they let the uh, Devils get back into it. Anyway, uh, good to hear. Uh, we'll see what else is happening at the Scotiabank Arena there before too long. But Dan Moulton is with a senior consultant at Crestview Strategies Toronto office and a liberal strategist. How's Dan? I'm doing great, John. How about you? Likewise, thank That's you. good. Tom Parkin, rounding things out, columnist with a bluntly social democratic point of view. Thomas, thank you for coming in. You're welcome. Guys, i got to ask, first order of business, it was announced earlier this afternoon, Peter McKay says he's in, uh, he's running for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. So let me just ask very quickly around the horn, you guys are all political animals, I mean, is this guy uh, somebody who has the right stuff uh, to not be, you know, a leader of uh, the opposition in waiting, but rather, you know, somebody who can assume the leadership and punch the ball across the goal line and beat the Liberals, Ernie? Well, I, th- I think he certainly has the credentials and the uh, background. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of other people enter the race uh, yet, I would presume. And the question still for the federal Tories, I think, is going to be, can you balance the reform wing of the party with the progressive wing of the party? Correct. If somebody can do that and appease both sides, then they're off to the races. But if they can't, I think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, is he the guy? I mean, Dan, I know last week, uh, whether it was, you know, on the air or off, you were suggesting that Jean Charest is a formidable opponent as well. And he's uh, he's sort of sussing things out as well as Pierre Polyev. I think that was off the air, John. So, I mean, okay. I'm not sure you can enter into the record like that. No, okay. I, I'd say I'd say Jean Charest is... You get quoted a lot, Dan. When you're yeah. not, yeah. <laughs> the things I ascribe to you, you have no idea. I can only imagine. <laughs> I think Jean Charest um, is, is certainly a, a talented communicator. Uh, and I think Peter McKay has a lot of credentials, uh, as Ernie put it, uh, coming into this race. Um, but... The real question is, in this short time frame, basically from now until the end of March, you've got to sell a lot of memberships to change uh, the the membership of this party in your favor. Uh, and it's not presently in Peter McKay's favor to win this leadership, right? I mean, you look at the membership of 2019, uh, the membership today that got uh, Andrew Scheer elected in, uh, as leader last round, uh, that, that is the membership uh, as of this date, is not one that's going to be readily electing someone like Peter McKay, who is a more progressive element in that party, or Jean Charest for that matter. And so... You know, I think Peter McKay will come up against the same barrier that he he did when he ran against Stephen Harper for the leadership back when the party first the parties first merged together. Is that the stronger voice of this party, the stronger element of this party, uh, is one that will want a leader that looks more like a Pierre Polyev or uh, someone with a harder line conservative edge to them that can channel some of their anger and frustration uh, at uh, at the current government in particular. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, just having read as the announcement was made, the guy who's going to shepherd the campaign was actually the guy behind uh, Maxime Bernier's campaign. So, I mean, whatever that means, how that's going to argue going forward. But uh, what is the necessary quality or qualities that are going to take to uh, decamp the Liberals? Well, um, I, I think that the Conservatives have a, a, already kind of alluded to this. I mean, a, a little bit of a deeper problem that they're struggling with is um, there's a lot of different influences in conservatism today uh, coming from the United States, coming from Europe, uh, because they've had electoral successes out there uh, in, in, in those jurisdictions with a different type of conservatism, which is, I think, infusing the Canadian variant here. 
and I don't think it's infusing it um, necessarily very effectively. I think it may be, and you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Ernie, but to the detriment of, of those who are kind of more authentically Canadian conservatives, and I'm not a conservative, but, you know, I, I certainly know them when I see them. Well, what does uh, that you know, mean? Uh, Canadian, Canadian. That really relates, <laughs> it re- really relates to the history and culture of our country. Mm. The, 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 the problems that we have is, is you know, uh, of our economy, of our geography, the nature of our population, that these are things that, um, uh, you know, that, that we have. We are not like the European right. We are certainly not like the Republican right. Um, so these are, uh, to me, tensions that well, like, are, are it's going to be specific hard. issues that you mean, like immigration. Well, like, what, like what immigration you... is is a big one. Obviously, both the, the United States and Europe have immigration issues that we don't. Uh, I mean, we, the Conservatives made a major issue over rocks and road, but I mean, there were millions and millions of of Syrian refugees who literally came across open borders in Europe. Europe literally does have open borders. We do not. Uh, so th- yet we hear kind of this right refrain about open boredoms in Canada. All right, That's but would we agree on one thing? So these tensions uh, need to be... Social conservatism is dead. It's DOA. There's no way they can run on that platform. I, is it going to have to I, be... Uh, but, but, well, I, I where, where does that group you. go, though, John? Yeah, exactly. They seem to be pretty mighty. And That's the problem. Where, where's Pierre Polyev on these issues, right? I mean, he is someone who has uh, fiercely uh, uh, advocated a more conservative, hardline position on social issues. Uh, and, and there's a real question as to what does he represent in this race? Is he going to try and distance himself from those past positions he's taken in the parliament? Uh, or is he going to look like Andrew Scheer did in this last election? Well, I don't and know. Is incapable it... of responding to these harder questions that social conservatives, who are a significant membership of that party, uh, feel, right? Or was that a wake-up call the last election and they recognized they got to pivot to a more pragmatic Sounds approach? Sounds like wishful thinking. Well, I don't know, Ernie. You're the progressive yeah. Tory amongst <laughs> us here. Uh, yeah. Tell me. Tell what... us. Well, my definition of a conservative as you know, is a Robert Stanfield conservative. I've always been in favor of fiscal responsibility with a large social conscience. I think that's what a true conservative is, to my mind. Uh, Personally, I don't think social conservatism has any place in politics. I don't think it belongs in politics. I think people are entitled to their own points of view on moral issues and ethical issues of that nature. And uh, I think you're barking up the wrong tree if if you're... trying to shove that down people's throats. And we saw, and not that Andrew Scheer was, but I think as Dan points out, the fact that he couldn't succinctly state his position Mm -hmm. and say, I have a personal point of view, but I respect those that have a different point of view. And my, if I'm elected, my government will not impose those, period, on the general populace. I mean, that's all it really uh, took, I think. Yeah, but. And, and I think there was also always this feeling or worry with Sheer that no matter what he might have said, that, you know, the old words of uh, Brian Mulroney, you dance with the one who brung you, and he was brung by the social conservatives. So there's always this underlying fear that really there was uh, something owed back and that yeah. would be repaid at some point. And uh, you could never, uh, you know, politics being politics, you could never, you could say no, but uh, the perception, I think, just... Hung yeah. around, well, hung around. I would, I would even argue, though, Ernie, the way that you you positioned uh, a, a better Andrew Shear answer. And I think a lot of people have been articulating a, a guess at what that could have been. I think in the next election, uh, this isn't not 1995. This isn't 2003, for that matter. I think gay men in this country want to know if you think their love right. is okay or not. Right. I think that's a fair question to ask. And and I think people who who may have had positions in the past that were opposed to, to gay marriage uh, and, and, and perhaps have 
uh, personal perspectives that are questioning of homosexuality are going to be really difficult to navigate around in the next election for any conservative leader because they're going to be asked point blank in this leadership race, how do you feel about those issues? Let alone, you know, like there are other issues that are, are more controversial and more open for debate like climate change and abortion and things like that. Uh, and, and I have strong feelings on those things, but I'm open to some discussion around them. I think the real fundamental question that a lot, every single conservative leader is going to be asked is, do you think it's okay that people are gay? Do you think it's okay for gay people to get married? And I think that's going to be a difficult question for some of these candidates to answer. You do? Well, uh, well, you know, it's funny because uh, people can pivot or change. I mean, Barack Obama was against gay marriage, and uh, he became like a deity amongst progressives uh, as recently as 2008, I guess. But let me ask you, if he's a big tent party guy, is that what Peter McKay represents or any of these other candidates? Would John Charest be a big tent uh, guy, or uh, would it be limited to regionalism? Because that's one of the bugaboos that hound the Tories. Things are broken down in regional places. Well, the liberals faced that as well in the last election, but as long as you carry central Canada. Look, Charest may have the advantage in Quebec. Uh, I don't know where McKay is. I mean, he's got the Maritimes. What is that, a 32, 32. seats in total? So, I mean, uh, who's the big tent person right now, as you see on the horizon, Ernie? Well, I, we have a long way from finding out who's actually running, I think. <laughs> well, I'm just saying uh, of the names that have been uh, prophesied. No, no Rona, apparently, well, as of today. Rona. Hmm? Already, oh, Rana. Yeah, right. did she declared not. One's, one's a store, and yeah, yeah. I apologize. Did she say not? Yeah. Did she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and 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 also Harper. It, she didn't say it. To, to be fair, it was leaked in La Press that she's not going to run. Right. And correct. Was, yeah. and, she's uh, the one person I think, as I said last yeah. week, who could probably unite in both parts of the party. Yeah. However. She would have been. She would have been <laughs> a force. A formidable opponent. But what does it say about the party's chances in the next election if she's not even willing to run to be leader? Oh damn! But, you, know, what, you know what? There was well, that's an interesting. A, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's actually a hard that, hard tack. But yeah, that is. A, <laughs> I'm very unfair. But uh, it was good. Um, but there was that news story a while ago. I think just before Christmas time that uh, Mr. Trudeau was looking at making Mazambros the ambassador to the United States yeah. in a preemptive move. I assume. Mm. Right? I think that sounds like a lot of. Speculation. I, I think it would have been. I think she would be a fantastic ambassador in Washington. I think there's no question about that. It makes a lot of sense to make that appointment. I don't. I, do, I don't think that the the calculation on, on a political level is as um, important to it as, as as you might posit. Well, all right. If you really hate your political opponent, you assign them the ambassadorship in Iran. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.